Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are locked on Mavericks, your daily podcast on the Dallas Mavericks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is going to be huge. Welcome. You are locked on the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the editor of Smoking Cuban. Welcome back, Isaac. Man. It's good to be back in the States. And we back. And, and we, we back. back. Bah, 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 bah. I'm currently smelling a Cuban cigar. And you didn't uh, even go to Cuba. Brought in some brought some Cubans back with me. It was a good week. No, man. no, 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 no. We can't just gloss over that. At some point, you are going to be writing for the smoking Cuban, smoking a Cuban. Uh, <laughs> that's a thing that's you're gonna so clever. That's a thing that's gonna happen. I didn't think about that, man. You really didn't? Dude, no, I really didn't. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This makes my That's like if I'm sitting one night watching Brad Pitt on Moneyball, writing on Moneyball, holding a Moneyball <laughs> from the three-point contest. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, I didn't even think about that. That's but no. that's surprising. It was uh it was a fun week. Didn't have, didn't follow the Twitter world. Didn't give a crap about the Mavericks this past week. Just focused on my wife. We went with some good friends to Cancun. Dude, just sat back and it was it was a blast. Enjoyed the beach life. The food's odd. I'm a really picky eater, so that I'm surprises not, me about you. I am so. Why is that a fat joke, Nick? <laughs> You're not that fat. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my wife, you know, is from Brazil, so like she, yeah. like she just loves everything. And me, on the other hand, it's a little, a little different. But it was cool. We had a blast, man. And what things don't you like? Like what? Are, what is like a normal thing that people don't like? Like my wife doesn't like uh, fruit. Like she doesn't like bananas. She hates bananas. That's kind of odd. No, I like fruit. Um, I mean, salad, coffee, Wait, well, like, like, like any kind of salad. No, none at all. Just that's like for, you just don't like rabbits. you just don't like lettuce or green like leafy things. That's rabbit food. I don't I don't eat spinach. Rabbit you don't do. No, nah, bro. I'm not Popeye. <laughs> what other <laughs> stuff don't you like? Let's talk about the foods that you don't like. Coffee. I love. Co- I love the smell of coffee. I just hate every taste of coffee. I never drink coffee. I cannot stand it. It's just just a lot of crap like that, like onions, peppers. You know, any vegetable, basically, except for green beans. <laughs> You're like Al Michaels. You know what Al Michaels do- eats every night? No. He eats steak and a potato. And That's what I'm talking he about. goes to the restaurant. He talks about this on the Dan Patrick Show all the time. He goes to the restaurant, and if there's anything green on the plate at all, chives, anything, parsley, n- nothing. Like, they a- accidentally drop a broccoli on there, like, nothing. He'll send it back. And he tells wow. him that. He tells him that. He's he's you know, he's he's Al Michaels. He's not like a jerk about it, but he's like I will send this back if there's anything green on this plate at all. <laughs> I don't think I'm that bad, but I don't eat a lot of that. So That's broccoli, no. Nah. But 
it was a fun trip. It was, it was it's kind of cool to unplug some like we, the Twitter world, it's fun, but once you get away from it for Sexy. like multiple days, you're like, man, this is really nice. Because there's so much negativity on Twitter, but I don't want to go down that road. And shout out to Le- Liberty University, my <laughs> my school. Both Ooh, of my uh, parents went to Liberty and met at Liberty, so I feel like I am sort of a product of Liberty as well. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Took down Baylor, uh, some other people in the reporting world love to take shots at Liberty. Uh, so I decided to take my shot last night. Time to but, take a uh, shot. Time to take a shot. But yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's it's good to be back home. It's good to have Labor Day off. Uh, if you're listening to this and you're working on Labor Day, we feel for you. Yeah, sorry about that. This po- this pod's for you. It is. It's for you. This pod is for the people. That's what it is. This for is the, the game six of the 2011 Finals flashback, gentlemen, and probably gentlemen Isaac's wife. <laughs> and probably one other female that we don't know of out there. We made it. Hey, wait. I, I just want to say this. If you're a female and you listen to this show, I want I want to tweet. You got to tweet us and let us know because we're going to give you some shout outs. It's awesome because our percentage is really low in the female Very, category. like, alarmingly low. Yeah. So we want to hear from you. Yeah. So, and we want to hear from everybody that listens. But we have made it to game six. Before we make it to game six, Isaac, you were talking about some college football. And I just watched the end of the the uh, UCLA A&M game. And holy cow. <laughs> A&M was up 44-10. And UCLA came all the way storming back. Josh Rosen threw four touchdowns in the final in the fourth quarter. And then threw one with 40 seconds left to win the game. Gosh. If you want to see stuff like that, if that's the stuff you want to see, the stuff of legend... You need to go to SeatGeek. <laughs> Download the SeatGeek app. You will not be disappointed. It is a great app to get you tickets to those games. I went to a Cowboys game the other day, went to SeatGeek, looked it up. I got the tickets for free, but I saw this, I saw how much the seats were where I was. Go, where I was. <laughs> Download the SeatGeek app. You can get tickets to go to games. Cowboy season is right around the corner. NFL season starts on Thursday, guys. Thursday. Isaac and I did a fantasy draft tonight. I'm excited. I want to see how some of my guys are doing. I'm going to do that on SeatGeek. And best of all, our listeners get $20 off the first SeatGeek purchase. Just download SeatGeek app. Enter promo code LONBA today. That's promo code LONBA for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. You will not regret it. All right. Game six. Dallas is up 3-2. to two. They're at Miami. The American Airlines Arena. They start. J.J. Barea. In the starting lineup again, third game in a row. They're undefeated when he starts. Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, Dirk Nowitzki, Tyson Chandler. And there's a change in the starting lineup for the Heat. Mario Chalmers, Wade, LeBron, Bosch, Joel Anthony. They changed it up a little bit. And we did not see Mike Bibby in this entire game. That, that surprised me. Oh, shucks. I think we should acknowledge what the Mavericks wore to the game also. Do it. Because it, it was an all-black affair. They wore their all-black, their one-suit, one-tie. That was the thing Tyson was talking about before the game. This is what we do in closeout games. It was funeral time. They wore their all-black, and that was, that kind of set the tone. It was kind of dope. But, yeah, it starts off, starts off game six. A lot of legacy stuff on the line when you think about legacy stuff. Yeah. As far as... 
you got the Mavs people and Kid and Dirk and all of them in their 30s saying, hey, this might be the one shot that we have at it. And at that time, LeBron hadn't had any success in the finals, had been swept by San Antonio a couple years before that. And was this LeBron's time for them to even the series back up and to force a game seven? And just there's so many storylines surrounding this this series, but in particular going into this game also. And it just kind of set the tone for this. It did. And there you said that there's a lot on the line. You go to a game seven with against LeBron and Wade and Bosch, like that is that's pretty intimidating. Like you could be the you know, the best team and the better team, and the Mavericks ended up being the better team overall. But when you have superstars like that, that's who shows up in a game seven. Like we saw this with, with Cleveland, with Kyrie and LeBron scoring forty, you know, with both scoring forty in that game. Like superstars are the ones that show up in game seven. And a couple times during this game it was interesting that they did they like flashed graphics of how many points has Dirk scored? What's his field goal percentage? And how many points has the big three scored? And it was like, why? Like, <laughs> it's just so <laughs> odd that they just like put three guys against one. It's like, at one point it was like, the big three has scored 29 points. Dirk has scored two. And you're like, well, yeah, well, first of all, there's three of them. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that could be, you know, 25 for one guy. And then the rest of them, you know, but. Especially at the beginning, because Dirk started off so bad. And LeBron started off pretty hot. I keep pausing because somehow my puppy ended up on the top of our... He ended up on the end table, and he can't get off. Uh-uh. <laughs> he, like, climbed up there, and he cannot get off. So if you hear some whimpering in the background, that is that is our puppy trying to get down. And he's, he's realizing that he's a little bit bigger now, and so he can get on top of furniture. Anyway, <laughs> Mike Breen made a mistake at the beginning of the broadcast that made me laugh really hard. He said, Spencer Haywood is dressed <laughs> instead of Brendan Haywood. <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy responded with, I think he's too old to play. Spencer Haywood <laughs> would have been 61 years old in 2011. <laughs> he played, Spencer Haywood played for the Denver Rockets. What? The New Orleans Jazz and the Washington Bullets. <laughs> Wow. I didn't even know there was a Denver Rockets. No, I don't either. I miss the Bullets, though. Yeah, shout out to the Bullets. Uh, and Jeff Van Gundy started this game by saying it was a risk to start Mario Chalmers because he already knew his role. And then Mark Jackson immediately responded with, it's not a risk because he's a better matchup against Berea. And then <laughs> then Breen said, well, Mario Chalmers has now taken two shots. This is like two minutes into the game. Like The only shots that have been taken... He said, well, he's taking two shots, and he hasn't even hit the rim yet. <laughs> Mario Chalmers hit, threw two shots up, and he airballed both of them. And LeBron actually started this game out pretty pretty well, right? He was 4 for 4 to start the game. It you know, it seemed like he was going to have one of those really big games. Um, didn't, turn out, start- didn't turn out to be that way, though. No. Uh, he started off really well, but then he went to final almost, it was like 19 minutes and something, almost 20 minutes of the first half. Um, scoreless so he literally started off super hot and you thought because that was you know that was the thing like LeBron was already getting touted as this can he be the next you know Jordan is can he be like at this point in his career and he hadn't even won a ring yet so you thought this this game right here if he's if he's that great that he had to have an all-time great game to force a game seven and the game started and you're like crap LeBron's gonna have it he just seemed like he was locked in, but then literally just like cut off and 
they forced him. And there's so much ins and outs and game plan stuff that can get really nerdy into what they forced LeBron into as far as his mid-range shots and taking away the, the paint and just different stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, he went scoreless for – or he only, he wasn't scoreless. He scored two points in the <laughs> final, like, 20 minutes of the first half or something. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, he – gosh, he just he, – I mean, this was a game that they needed him. Like, they really, really did need him. Uh, end of the first quarter, Dallas was up 32 to um, – well, Dallas was up at the end, and then early they were up 32-27. And then Deshaun Stevenson hit two threes in a row. They hit another basket. Then all of a sudden, Dallas was up 40-28. to 28. And it was just this run that automatically just, you know, sent everybody crazy. They cut to the AAC, and they cut to also Wurzburg, Germany. They kept cutting back in the on the broadcast back to these two places because Wurzburg obviously – where Dirk is from, and then the AAC is where the Mavericks play it in Dallas, and it was sold out and in AAC. It was completely sold out, which is amazing to me. I mean, if if we had aliens come to this earth, and they saw an away arena during a finals game, where there was a bunch of people in an arena, empty, watching a television, <laughs> like what would they do? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just, it's the weirdest, like one of the weirdest things if you think about it out of context. And if you're a non-sports fan, like if it, I think if I try to explain this to my wife, she would be like, "I don't get it. Why wouldn't you just watch it at home?" <laughs> yeah. But it's just about being there. And, and tweet us if you were there because I was not, and I don't think you were. But no, I was not. I was in my apartment at home. We also had an Eddie House sighting early in this game. Eddie House, I couldn't stand that guy. Eddie House but... had played 26 total minutes in the playoffs. Before wow. that game. And he played 21 in this game. Um, and that was, his, that, that was his half? last season was 2011. That was his final season. Good. What about that uh, What about that first half by Jason Terry, though? Jet, man. man. Holy cow. As Dirk went Dirk went one for 12 in the first half. And you kind of got worried as a Mavs fan. Even though, well, it was kind of a double-sided coin here or, you know, whatever – Mavs were Mavs went into the half up by two, but Dirk was one for twelve from the field. Yeah, so you're like, okay, if we're up by two and Dirk's having a sorry game, then this is pretty good. But you know, it was you know kind of countered by Jet. Jet had 19 at the half, and I mean he was huge. He had 14 points in 14 minutes in the first half at one point. So. And, he, and he hit another. He hit a three right after they said that it was 14 points in 14 minutes he hit a three right after that so it was like 17 points in like 14 and a half minutes or 15 minutes it was i mean yeah. just crazy uh, miami after i mentioned that eddie house came in they went on a 7-0 run um because they were down so much and this was with lebron on the bench like they started going on this run with lebron on the bench and it was so weird to see that and then uh, they flashed up this graphic of first nine finals games and how players played, uh, and it was like Jordan, thirty-two points, like almost ten assists, almost six rebounds, fifty-three percent from the field. Then it was like uh, Magic and Kobe. Magic was about twenty points. Kobe was about twenty points. Kobe twenty points, forty percent shooting, and uh, LeBron nineteen points, forty percent shooting, and uh, they're putting him up. They're putting him right up there with them. You know, like I mean, that was what you said yeah. earlier. They're putting him right up there with Jordan and Kobe and Magic and gosh. And then right after, right after they did that, um, Eddie House hit another three. 
Miami is now up. They they came back down. They were down 40 to 28. Came all the way back. And then Haslam just said one too many things. And our boy, Deshaun Stevenson, came up. Deshaun. Came up to him, got in his face. There was this tussle. And as noted by Jeff Van Gundy, every player on either bench left uh, except for Corey Brewer, <laughs> which I thought was funny. He was like, looks like everybody else besides Corey Brewer left the bench. <laughs> Why did he just like single out Corey Brewer? But so this should have been a thing. And they were talking about it most of the game where everybody should have been, um, everybody should have been kicked out or should, you know, should have been suspended for the next game. Because if you leave the bench, you know, during, during the game, then you are suspended the next game immediately. That's just like the rules. And that was the rule. Then it's the rule now. But because the timeout had already been called, there's like a loophole sort of in the rule where the timeout has been called and you're leaving the bench already because of the timeout, they can't penalize you for doing that. And so it just so happened that the NBA was saved because there literally would have been it would have been like a five on five for game seven if it went to a game seven. And that would have been so weird. So weird. What if what if the full roster left for both teams? Well, they what can't they all do? be on the bench. That's the other thing. Well, that's true. But we also did have the malice of the palace, so yeah, that, that happened. But the bench clearing is is the bench clearing is because of the malice of the palace. That was a rule that was put in because of that. Yeah. Uh, so Deshaun gets in Haslam's face. Dirk and Tyson try to pull Haslam back and push him off to Sean Stevenson. Then Mario Chalmers runs out of nowhere and just starts shoving anybody that's in front of him. Just like, shoving, Chalmers. shoving, shoving. The bench is clear. Timeout's already in effect. And then it basically just turns into a holding me back you know, event. They just Everybody's yeah. holding each other back. Nothing really escalated. Um, Translated the 2000s version of NBA fights. Yeah, yeah. Then the refs are looking at the replay, and t- to me, when the refs are looking at this replay of a, of a tussle during a timeout to figure out who they're going to give a technical to, who they're going to either eject, you know, what whatever they're going to do, refs can look at that, but they can't look at a foul in the last minute of a game or the last, you know, 50 seconds or the last, like, that just makes no sense to me. It doesn't make, like, it's just so weird the things that they can review and they can't review. Yeah, think, you'd think that they would review or be able to review things that actually matter yeah because this this didn't even this. really matter nobody got hurt it wasn't you know i don't really think it affected the game except for the it affected the game in the sense that both teams had to stand around for five minutes waiting to figure out what was going to happen what ended up happening was mavericks got called for one tech from from deshaun stevenson the heat got called for two techs and both uh Udonis haslam and mario chalmers and Udonis haslam didn't do anything <laughs> He, he was celebrating. He turned around. Deshaun Stevenson was in his face, and then he you know, got pulled off by Bosch. Like, just nothing happened. He got called for a tech. So Dirk hits a free throw. Dallas is only down one now with six minutes to go. And then the Heat go to this super small lineup, which seems super small at the time, does not seem as small now. With Udonis Haslam, LeBron, Wade, Eddie House, and Mario Chalmers. So that is like a normal lineup now <laughs> in 2017 yeah. NBA. Like that Haslam is a five and the LeBron is a four. That's that's basically that's, what the Cavs do with Tristan Thompson and LeBron. Like that's the their death lineup. That's the same thing. I don't know if I would call this a death lineup. For them, I would have gone Bosch. Bosch, LeBron, oh, yeah, yeah, Wade, yeah. probably Miller. We didn't see Miller a lot in this game at all. Like barely at all we saw Miller in this game. That sort of surprised me. Yeah, no Miller, no Bibby. And then, so they the Heat go to this lineup, and then it's you know it's a really close game at this point. There's about six minutes left in the 
you know, in the second quarter. And then Tyson gets called for his third foul, and then Berea goes in for him. And so now it's Kid, Berea, Jet, Marion, Dirk. And so now they're in their death, like, small lineup, which is just crazy seeing them go back and forth. Uh, they keep going back and forth. Like you said, Jet had 17 minutes, 17 points, 15 minutes. Um, and then they did, coming back from break at one point, they did an interview with Jet where they kind of, you know, they do that sit-down interview and they, you know, go back and forth. And there's the pictures of them, like, hugging and caressing the trophy and, like, all that stuff, which I think is kind of weird. I feel like if I was a superstitious NBA player, I would not want to hold the trophy before I had played and won it. That's true. You know? Uh, but Jet, obviously, not a superstitious guy because he tattooed it on his own body. Got that tat. And uh, he said, in the interview, he said he put a picture of the trophy in everyone's locker room. And I thought that was interesting because that they're all still there. All those all those pictures are still there. I don't know yep. if they're the exact same ones, but last year, when I, you know, first time I was able to be in the locker room, everybody still has those, you know, that the picture of the Larry O'Brien trophy in their locker. That's cool. Now we got to figure out if that's the same one or not. Yeah, I definitely want to go. Want to ask now? Who do you ask? I guess JJ, right? JJ or Dirk? <laughs> yeah, I, was say, I think Dirk would know, but probably. Uh, then LeBron is a, LeBron goes to the free throw line. I've been I've been watching this this entire series, and I've been noting it when I can. Earlier in the game, Wade went to the free throw line. MVP chance for him. LeBron goes to the free throw line for the first time in this game. No MVP chance. The room is almost silent. Like as as silent as an arena can be. Like, really silent. I just thought that was kind of telling, and it was interesting. LeBron, like, wasn't their guy yet. No, D-Wade was, and, I mean, D-Wade played the better series, too. So they go to halftime, Mavs are up two. Like you said, Dirk was one for ten. And then they, there's this weird thing that Mark Jackson said going into the break. They said that during practice, the Heat said they've applied the Derrick Rose rules for J.J. Barea when he's playing. I didn't, I didn't catch this. The weirdest thing, the, the Rose rules are like what you do for a guy that just can get into the paint no matter what, like at any point, that you know, what you do to him. Hmm. Like the Jordan rules, sort of. J.J. Uh, Rose. And then they send, at halftime, they send it to, to uh, Stuart Scott, which, you know, oh, the, the feels came up. I love um, Stuart. Yeah. Um. Oh, right before halftime, Brian Cardinal got another. <laughs> Brian Cardinal came in. <laughs> For like less than a minute. He had a huge, huge impact on this game later. Um, and then at half, about right before halftime, they flash up that big graphic, big three for Miami, 29 points, 11 of 20. And then Dirk, three points, one for 12. And Dallas is up by two. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, man, Dallas just, it just seemed like they were so set up to win this game because nothing was going right for them in the ways that it should. You know, you have... When you go into a game like this, any playoff game, any NBA game, really, you have your givens. You know, you have your guy that's going to score twenty points. You have your guy that's going to get ten rebounds. Like you know, you have these these things that are certain, and because you have these players that are hundred percent players. Um, Mike Lombardi of the Ringer talks about this all the time. He used to work for you know the Patriots and stuff, and he says you have hundred percent guys, you have seventy five percent guys, fifty percent guys, and you have these guys that are going to give you production and give you something hundred percent of the time or fifty percent of the time, like. Um, who's a 50% guy? I think, I think sometimes, I think Wes Matthews is like a 50% guy. 50% of the time you're going to get something awesome. And 50% of the time you're just going to get, eh. you know, like you're, you're just going to get play. Like he's just going to play, you know? Um, and it's, it's whether his shot is falling or who he has to guard that game. It just sort of happens that way. Um, but the hundred percents for the Mavericks just weren't going, <laughs> you know, Dirk wasn't really scoring. 
you know, the defense wasn't as locked in as it really had been. Um, and then at halftime, Jet was doing the interview with Doris Burke, so we still haven't had LeBron do an hmm. interview with Doris Burke. And then after this, after this video, so I'm watching this on YouTube, and it's split up into clips. After this, the clip that it suggested for me was <laughs> – the clip of NBA, of the guys talking on NBA TV right after they traded for uh, Lamar Odom. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, it was so random. And so I clicked on it, of course. They go to Kobe. Kobe's upset. You know, he, you know, guy just been traded. They basically said, like, they sent him for nothing. Like, they didn't get anything back for him. It was one of my friends. You know, how, you know I got to trust Mitch Kupchak, but, uh, you know, he's just kind of kind of upset about it, really serious. <laughs> He switched to Dirk. <laughs> Made me laugh so hard. He said, "He said, well, you know, I was watching Harry Potter two last night, and then my phone blew up." <laughs> <laughs> that guy, classic Dirk. That was so funny. And then he's talked about how you know he's a good player and all that stuff. Uh, but that was hilarious. And that just to me is kind of the difference between Dirk and anybody else, any other superstar. You know, you got all these guys that are super serious, and then Dirk is, you know, Dirk's one of a kind. One of a kind. Uh, so yeah, then we had this. Then we had this play where Berea is on LeBron. LeBron tries to back him down. Offensive foul, sort of, kind of changed the momentum of the game. Um, Miami at this point, we're in the third quarter now. About five minutes, and thirty seconds left. Miami had shot twenty free throws, and Dallas had only shot seven. That's another hundred percent thing. Dallas had been getting to the free throw line like a lot. Like Dirk had been getting the free throw line a lot. Like he had been getting a lot of shots, and. uh Hadn't been getting any, and Miami had just been killing them, <laughs> like just completely M- killing them. NBA is wanting that, uh, wanting that game seven to get that <laughs> moolah. And then here we go. So Wade took an outlet pass and caused an offensive foul. He tried to euro step around Brian Cardinal. If you ever try to step around Brian Cardinal at all, it just doesn't happen. And so <laughs> he tried to step around him, didn't get it. Got called for the offensive foul. Then he got teed up, and then. Uh, that was a big game changer, I think, as well, because that just made Wade just a little bit more timid. And then they're still talking about suspensions. It's it's crazy. You're in the middle of this game, and we know watching it now that it's this this is the clinching game. Like the Mavs are going to win the finals, and they're still talking about whether there's going to be suspensions in Game Seven. So they're still you know going back and forth about it. Um, then they bring Mike Miller in. You're in the third quarter, and you're going to bring in Mike Miller for the first time and Juwan Howard for the first time. It's just weird rotations from the Heat. Hey, when you're getting smashed in the past couple of games and <laughs> you're on the brinks, you're on the ropes, um, you're pretty much like Connor, just kind of like stumbling around with Floyd in front of you. Uh, you put in Mike Miller and you put in Juwan Howard. Got to, you got to try something. Yeah, you uh, got to try something. So then they flash up this big graphic, uh, and they say that LeBron had zero double-digit scoring quarters the entire finals. Like He hadn't had a quarter where he just went off. Like It just hadn't happened yet. Then they flash up this graphic of LeBron in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. First three rounds, he averaged uh, 7.6 points, 45% from the field, and 8 of 18 from three. So re- shooting really well from three and uh, you know scoring a decent, decent amount. And then in the finals, <laughs> fourth quarter, 2.2 points, 25% from the field, and 0 from 7 from three. It's just like foreshadowing of all foreshadowings. Like you flash this graphic up, and that to me is, I mean, the reason why the Mavs won, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's a slight reason. I'd say there's more reasons on the Mavs. The, the, best, than... the best player in the world didn't show up in the you know in crunch time? I feel like 
I feel like in the NBA, you can have one player swing everything. Like we just saw this A and M, you know, UCLA game where you have Josh Rosen just go off and score four touchdowns, but all this stuff had to happen. You know, even in the yeah. Super Bowl, all this stuff had to happen for the the Patriots to be able to come back and win that game. But for them, I mean, like LeBron was good, but he's not like what he, you know, what he's been the past like, you know, five years. He wasn't a fully now. realized avatar yet. Yeah, and I mean, I would say that there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot. Or there were a lot of players near his level. I mean, you can make the argument that Dirk was, you know, one of the best players in the league at that point. And so Kobe had just won, you know, two finals and this yeah. was this was about the time they were doing those puppet ads, like those those ads of the two, you know, the LeBron and the Kobe puppets. Remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all that. Yeah, yeah. And that was like they were on the same level and we were waiting for that LeBron Kobe finals. I mean, maybe not Mavs fans, but <laughs> No. no oh, everyone else was waiting for it. Um, and then, so we get into the fourth quarter, uh, and Mahimni, Jan Mahimni comes up big and hits this buzzer beater at the end of the third. It was his second field goal of the whole finals, and the Mavs were up nine at that point. He actually logged, like, double-digit minutes, didn't he? Yeah, because, cause, uh, <laughs> don't call me Spencer, Spencer Haywood Spencer. was out. <laughs> Brendan Haywood was uh No, was we have to address him as all-time Dallas Maverick Brendan Haywood. Gosh. He wasn't even on the floor when they won the finals. I don't know. <laughs> All time great. I don't know. Two K, Ronnie Two K, what you doing, man? <laughs> so, yeah, Jan Mahimi hits this. Mavs are up nine, and then uh, you have at the beginning of the fourth quarter, four fouls on both Chandler and Dirk. So it was getting a little, you know, getting a little dicey there. You're not sure what you were gonna get with with either of those guys. And then Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson says. Wade has the look in his eyes. He's about to say, I'm going to take over this game. And then as soon as he says that, Berea hits this like long range two, and the crowd just goes silent. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. It was like, Wade's going to take over this game. JJ Berea just hits a three. <laughs> just like nails well, it. was kind of funny because it was just, it was constantly like, it almost is about the series too, about the Mavericks being an underdog. As far yeah, as like everyone, even going it, everyone's just this game. waiting for the heat to show up. You know, yeah, it was just like, oh, it's just a waiting game. It's you know, oh, okay, now it's LeBron's time, and even like Mark Jackson with Wade, and you know, in the fourth, now it's Wade. You know, now now it's this. Now fill in the blank of how the Heat are going to come back and win the game, and it was never there was never an answer. The blank was never you know filled. It was the Mavericks filling their own blank and saying. There is nobody else. It's not nobody else's time. It's our time, and this is our our series, our year. Would you say that the time was now? <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of those shirts there. I was surprised, and so was a lot of other people that there's that many shirts there in Miami. The time is now. So then, uh, the Mavericks are up ninety-two to eighty-two with, with six minutes and forty seconds left, and I at this point I kind of agree with Mark Jackson. Like it just seems like one of these two guys is either going to be Wade or LeBron. It's just going to take over and win this game. And it's never really happened. <laughs> but as you guys know, but they cut to Cuban and I think that was the first time in the entire series. They cut to Cuban. I just had not seen him very much. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then I saw, and then I saw, and I kept seeing it over and over. There's this marquee, this T-Mobile marquee that kept flipping around. At the scores table that said text in to uh you know the you you know the MVP of the finals or whatever and so I texted it <laughs> failed number didn't work 
I just thought it was funny. I just remember when they did you see that all the time. We're like, text this number for the player of the game. And you're like, why? What's the point? Yeah. Um, so Mavs are up 10. There's three minutes and 40 seconds left. So they went back and forth for a couple minutes and, you know, didn't really change. Then uh, Dirk and Wade are exchanging buckets. And I'm just thinking, where's LeBron? Like, where is this guy? He has not, you know, not really showed up. Dirk had eight points in the fourth quarter up to that point. And then... You know, so Dirk hits the shot. It cuts to Cuban again, and Cuban's like freaking out. He has both fists in the air. He's turned around. He's like, you know, just all time like <laughs> hysteria. Cuban, it was great. Um, Dallas is still at nine. LeBron finally hits a three. Like finally scores in the fourth quarter, and then Dirk gets a rebound, and it's one fifteen left. The Mavs are up nine, and it's just it feels like game over. Like somehow the Mavericks just it never happened. You're just waiting and waiting and waiting waiting and waiting waiting yeah. into the water and it never happened and they just kept on answering they they yep. just never let just like dallas before and the whole thing of dallas could never get over the hump now is miami's turn miami can never get over the hump uh really in the second half and in the fourth quarter and man i, I don't i don't have the exact time of because you know this game was the only game that really didn't go down to like the last shot yeah they said that earlier that this is you know finals the three of the games were down to the final shot and yeah and so this one i mean you just got that vibe i mean you got that vibe for the second half of the fourth quarter and but whenever the time was when dirk had that shot and the short corner he had bosh on him he was kind of uh, i think he pump fake maybe went over to the right a little bit and hit this shot, and he turned around, and he just had that. It's one of my top five moments of the series, and he just he just held the fist out, and like kind of a. It wasn't really a fist pump; it was just him just holding it out and just clenching his fist, and it was just like, it's like he knew it. Like this is this is really gonna happen, and you're just like, oh my gosh. They were never scared of the heat the whole series, and you have no. a lot of these teams. And a lot of these young teams, they just they get scared. You know, they get scared of the moment. They get scared of the players that are in front of them. And I think it's it's important to have veterans. And when you have veterans, then you have you know you have guys that are just not going to be scared, not going to back down because they've you know they've been where those guys are. They've been where the superstars are at some point. You know, some of them. Jason Kidd was arguably as good as Dwayne Wade was in his prime. You know, and yeah. uh, and so you have these guys that are you know that have been there, done that, and they're not they're not afraid of it. And then they, so after this show, Mark Cuban freaking out, they cut to the AAC, and the AAC is just going insane. Like, <laughs> people are throwing things, people are getting excited, and uh, so the game ends, and can you tell me the lineup on the floor when the game ends and the Mavericks win the title? Who oh, are the, heck no. Who are the five just, guys on the floor? All I know about the end of that game, besides me just going nuts, <laughs> was Dirk going over the scores table. Yep. And going straight to to the locker room because he was so emotional. And that just got me all emotional and like when I was watching it and that's all all I remember. I remember uh, I, what Marion was Marion on the floor? Marion was on the floor. Okay. Outside of that, I can't remember no. It was Marion Tyson, Dirk, Kid and Jet. There you oh, go. Classic. That's going to be like a trivia question for somebody out there. Someday. And then uh, as soon as the game ends, Jeff Van Gundy says, can we eliminate the soft argument about Dirk? 
And it seemed it was a thing that had been coming up year after year after year, and it finally just kind of got. It's one of those things, like you said at the beginning of the pod, where just so many things were on the line. Like if they lost again, they lost in the finals again. I feel like people would bring that argument up. It's not true, but they would bring it up again. Yeah, and I mean, and to to be honest, they still did. I mean, and just the big European guys, they just kind of get a lot of them get this bad rap of all they're just soft. They're not you know, these bangers and stuff, but yeah, just talking about Dirk in this, in this game six, you know, we, we talked about how bad he started off the game, but then in the fourth, you know, you said he was trading baskets and stuff with Wade and it's just, it didn't matter. You know, it's just an, another veteran performance as, you know, he just put the first half behind him, you know, okay. I shot one for 12 in a closeout game in the first half. Yeah, that sucks, but this is a new half. And I remember I read the recap. Uh, I forgot who who did. It. I think it was on ESPN or somebody. Whoever recapped that game six back in 2011, they said that they said in that fourth quarter, you know, when they're trading baskets, and you know Dallas was still up some, but it was, you know, they're pretty much just fending off the wolves of you know the Heat. And they <laughs> said Jet grabbed grabbed Dirk and said, "Remember 06, just re- remember yeah. 06," and that was you know just that Dirk had that you know had jet beside him that whole time to say, you know, remember it. And they remembered it and they, you know, they, they did their thing to win it. And it's just, there's so much about that series. that's so remarkable. And do you remember who ended with the ball? <clears throat> was it kid? It was kid. It was kid. Marion dribbled the ball out. And then with like two seconds left, he walks over to kid Kid holds out his hands, and Marion just gives him the ball. And the, then it ends. And Dirk jumps over the scorer's table, heads to the locker room. Mark Cuban Mark Cuban was, had been on the bench, basically, <laughs> the last, like, two minutes of the fourth quarter. The, you know, the bench is freaking out. And uh, they're, like, holding him. And I think, like, Spencer Haywood or Jan Mahimi had Mark Cuban, like, in a headlock <laughs> when they were freaking out because they all just had, like, arms, you know, were just flying yeah. everywhere. and. It was so great to see. And then Cuban, after the game, runs over and gives Carlisle this huge hug. Carlisle looks so uncomfortable. (laughs) Carlisle's always uncomfortable. So bring up Carlisle. This is a good place to bring up. Carlisle, at at that point, was one of um, 12 players, or 12 coaches, to to win the title as a coach and a player. There are – there is – 14 of these now and Carlisle's one of them and I think you can name six more <laughs> so player a coach that won a title as a coach and a player Isaac can you name them alright Phil Phil Jackson with the uh, Lakers and Bulls obviously and then player as, with the Knicks uh, Lenny Wilkins Lenny Wilkins no was not one of them Dang. Um, Don't think about it too hard. I'm going to think about it. A couple of them happened recently. Um, Okay. Very recently. Spo didn't play. Very recently. Uh, Are they going to count? They're not going to count Steve Kerr at that point. Yeah. Player and a coach. He won won the title as a coach and as, as a player with the Bulls. When did he as a coach? Steve Kerr? He's yeah. won two titles. Before 2011? 
No, 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 no. This is now. I, I, I updated, oh, okay, I updated okay, the okay. list. Sorry. I updated the list. Oh, uh, I'm like, dang. <laughs> I'm really confused now. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, He's now one of fourteen. At that point, he was one of I think eleven. He was like he was joining a group of eleven others, and now there's fourteen. So, okay, with Carlisle Kerr, and then this other guy that was added to the list as well recently. Oh, recently. Yep. Uh, I, ooh, yeah. Lou won it with the Lakers, didn't he? Is that a guess? Yeah, I guess. Yep. Lou. Yeah, Ty Lue did in two thousand one with that team that went sixteen and or sixteen and one or whatever. I think that was a team Iverson stepped over him too. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that series. Um, yep, Ty Lue's one of them. Steve Kerr, Rick Carlisle, Phil Jackson. There's two more I know you can definitely get. Tell me the team. Team. Uh, he coached for the Lakers and and the Heat. And the Heat. And he played for the oh, Lakers. Pat, Pat, Pat Riley. Riley. And then the yeah. last one is this guy won a title as a coach. As a player, and then he won a title doing both. Bill. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Bill Russell did it, and then there was another Celtic uh, that is now a broadcaster that also did this. Tommy Heinsohn. Tommy Heinsohn also, and then mm-hmm. Casey Jones, another one. Billy Cunningham with the you know back in the eighties. Bill Sharman for the Lakers and the Celtics. Uh, Larry Costello, Red Holzman, George Sensky back in the 50s. Sensky going back. Coached the Philadelphia Warriors. <laughs> I think and, I could have got Billy Cunningham and that was it. And then our boy, Buddy Jeanette, as a player coach with the defunct Baltimore Bullets. 1948. <laughs> what the heck? Winning the title. Two birds with one stone when it's a player and a coach. So there you go. Carlisle joined that group, and then obviously Steve Kerr joined it, and then Ty Lue joined it, and then Kerr joined it again. Um, mm. But but yeah, so that was I thought that was interesting. Um, Jet interviewed with Doris Burke after the game, and so we still we hadn't. I don't think we had even had Dirk interview with Doris at all this season. It was like Tyson, not the season, but the series. It was Tyson a lot. It was Kid a couple times. It was Jet a bunch. Um, and then Stuart Scott presents the trophy with David Stern. Uh, it was weird to see David Stern <laughs> present the trophy. Just really, really weird. So, Gosh. Used, so used to Adam Silver now, even though David Stern was there forever. Unfortunately. But, uh, no, David Stern was really great for the league. That's something that I will, that will not, I will not agree with you on. Uh, he did. <laughs> and even growing up as a Lakers fan with the Chris Paul thing, he still did it. So much good stuff for the league that the league is where it is because of David Stern. Uh, it was weird to me that there are so many people still there in those white heat shirt, the white heat shirts. Like so yeah. many people stayed around and watched the trophy presentation. Do you? No, I'm thinking of a different white shirt. Never mind. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have? Do you have that white? So I still have it. I kind of find it somewhere. I have that white championship shirt for the Mavericks. I remember ordering it like the, <laughs> as soon as available to order it. I remember playing pickup basketball in it for like a straight week. I watched that thing like five times in a matter of like two weeks. But Jason Gallagher, who's now of the ringer, he used to write for Mavs Moneyball, has this awesome piece that I will tweet out that uh, talks about what he did after the, after the finals where he, uh, he <laughs> drank a little too much <laughs> And then went on the NBA store, and what showed up at his house the next week was uh, was surprising. So I'll tweet out that link if I remember. <laughs> uh, so Stuart Scott 
asked Cuban, and Cuban obviously made the gesture to bring up Don Carter, who's the former owner of the team, who you know founded the team basically, and uh, and that's where the if if Mavs fans don't know, I I learned this this year, but that's where the hat logo comes from. Don Carter was you know he's wearing a hat on the stage. He always wore that cowboy kind of hat, and oh uh, cowboy. So that's where that logo comes from. And uh, so he's up on he's up on the stage. The trophy gets presented to Don Carter, and it's, then Stuart Scott asks Cuban why he's been so quiet. And Cuban was like, basically, it's not about me. And then calls Carlisle over <laughs> to talk on stage. Which, <laughs> if you go, I've thought about this. You go from a guy that loves public speaking to a guy that hates public speaking more. Like the the disparity between those two individuals is like really wide. <laughs> yeah. Really why Cuban loves talking in public and Carlisle does not like it at all. What a difference in personalities. Very, very different. But it makes for a winning culture. It makes you know, makes for for win and you gotta love it. Uh Dirk did not say anything interesting on the <laughs> the trophy presentation, as Dirk does. He was just you know talking about defense and things like that. And then uh they cut to a a young Jeff Skin Wade interviewing Jet. <laughs> Over there, uh, that was that was cool to see him on there. He we we talked to him on the podcast a couple days ago, and then the last thing I want to end with for the uh, as far as the game recap is uh, they cut back to the three the three guys, Breen, Jeff, and Cuddy, Mark Jackson, and they're talking about what the Heat can do next year to get better. And Jeff and Cuddy suggest that they should go after Dwight Howard. Yes. <laughs> that they should use one of those three guys and go after Dwight Howard, which is just hilarious to me. That would be awesome. So I was gonna cool. mention. I was gonna mention a couple of different things. Do you have anything on the press conferences afterwards? I don't know. Okay. Um, two things. There's a quote by quote by Carlisle, and I just really like the quote. And he said, "This is an old bunch. We don't run fast or jump high." Oh these yeah, got, <laughs> that was great. Cool. These guys had each other's backs. We played the right way. We trusted the pass. This is a phenomenal thing for the city of Dallas. I just love that quote by Carlisle because that just sums, <laughs> it sums up the team, man. Like it's just, and you, when you look back, look back at these, you know, at each team of the past however years you, if you want to say decade, and tell me the ages of their the three best players on the team, and you look at this Mavs team, you had Dirk. If you want to say their big three, Dirk was 32 when they won the title. Jet was 33, and Jason Kidd was 38. And that's just like it's just crazy to me. I mean, it's just that you know there wasn't no crazy you know Greek freak type of dude that was 23 years old or something like that, yeah. or some Kawhi Leonard that was 24. You know, whatever that is. You know, these ages that these players are hitting their prime and. They're super young and athletic, and it's just this team, man. Like the team will, when you you don't want to be cliche and say you'll never see a team like that, because you know you could. But as far as like a team that doesn't have, you know, two or three like super all stars on at the same time. I feel like if Giannis stays on the Bucks, I feel like they could be a team like this, because he's gonna be he's gonna be so good. He's gonna he's gonna probably peak. At how good Dirk was, which is saying a lot to both parties, and yeah, I mean, you just have you have to find the right guy with the the right generational talent. Yep. And I mean, we are talking about 
a team being able to pull this off because, and not to be cliche with it again, but with like with on Dirk's shoulders as far as, I mean, he's one of the greatest scorers of all time in history yeah. books and just everything. I mean, just the magnitude of having him and then surrounding him with the right pieces. But I do want to mention something about LeBron um, because LeBron did finish this game with a plus minus of negative 24 Good or minus Lord. 24. Jeez. Um, but this also brought brought out the um, their much scrutinized LeBron quote, and um, <laughs> a lot of people like to bring this up because you know some people are like yeah they <laughs> Marion Deshaun and them they made LeBron you know cry like a little girl basically. <laughs> um, but this is where he kind of like went after the fans and you know however you want to say like would you do this if you were on Le- at LeBron's stage to where like. You know you're getting scrutinized. You know you're, you know, getting the target on your back. That to where you're just going to go after the everyday, everyday fan. You were and pretty asking much... for it when you did the the concert. Exactly. Thing, you know when you did the stage thing, you're asking for it. You're asking yeah. for it. So they, you know, pretty much asked LeBron about that after after this, you know, this loss, and he says, "All the people that's rooting on on me to fail at the end of the day, they have to wake up tomorrow and have the same life that they had before they woke up today." Oh yeah. And he's like, they have the same personal problems they had today. I'm going to continue to live the way I want to live and continue to do the things I, w- I want to do with me and my family and happy with that. And, you know, he's like, he, and he ends it, he said, they have to get back to the real world at some point. And it's just like, you know, basically saying, yeah, I lost the finals, but I'm still rich and all of y'all got to go back to work tomorrow. And that just really pissed a lot of people off. Some people are saying, who cares? LeBron can say that because he is rich and he's right. Other side, you know, fans are saying, wow, what a sore loser that he's going to (laughs) resort back to his, you know, rich lifestyle and whatever it is and kind of try to cover for the loss. But when I did, when adversity happens, sometimes people just say scoreboard, you know, like they just point to the scoreboard in life and just say, you know, who has more money than somebody else. Exactly. And the last thing I want to mention, I just think to wrap it all in one circle, I think it was really funny that the Mavericks won this championship on the same floor, same arena, that the whole opening party of not one, not two, not three, the whole opening charade, everything that happened with Miami, doing their thing, their big pep rally and stuff happened in that same arena. And months later, the Mavericks are celebrating the title, beating that team. I just—I know I just joy. watched this game, but were the the Heat wearing white jerseys? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think they were right. So yeah, they were wearing the same jerseys. So in the not one, they're wearing the whites too. Somebody will probably be like, "No, look at the screenshot. They're wearing red." <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, and it, it goes around and it comes around, you know. And if you're gonna put yourself out there. You're going to have to be ready to be scrutinized. Yep. For sure. All right. Some of you guys put yourself out there. We really appreciated the reviews we got. We said we'd read them. So here we go. Favorite memories of the 2011 finals. Unfortunate listener. That is his That is his name on iTunes. It's unfortunate listener. The title of, <laughs> of this says, my name is an accident. So thanks for that. I said, hey guys, I love the pod. I just turned 14, so I don't remember a whole lot about the 2011 finals, but my favorite thing that I do remember is, honestly, LeBron getting a tech. I don't know why, but it was awesome. 14. So that would make him... He would have been... Eight? 
Yeah. Like in elementary school. <laughs> wow. Does he even remember flip phones? Oh. Watch me move like my juke. Remember razors? Yeah, razors was was where it's at. That was the thing. Nokia, let's play some snake right now, bruh. <laughs> you can play snake like on anything now. Yeah, I love that thing. I saw somebody on YouTube that could code the snake game in like thirty seconds. <laughs> That's impressive. Jeez. So yeah, that LeBron getting attacked, it's a great it's a great moment. People really like that, you know, when when LeBron fails. And this is a good finals <laughs> to look back on if you like that, like Isaac does. All right, let's go to uh, Max in Denton. Max in Denton, I think. is Not Maxin. <laughs> Max in? Uh, his favorite 2011 memory. Lots of great moments during the 2011 title run. But my favorite was the player interaction after Dirk's game winner in game two of the finals. His teammates are coming up to him, slapping him on the chest, trying to congratulate him. And Dirk doesn't say a word, but just gives each of them this insanely focused stare. It seems to be at this moment the team's starting to think, Maybe the best player in the series is on our side. Dirk wasn't the best player two months before, and he wasn't when the next year started. But for two beautiful months in 2011, our own little Dirk Nowitzki was the best player in the NBA and wrecked the league. That's a dope comment, Max. That was a dope, dope that comment, was, Max. Way that to go. was awesome because that was true. In that moment, I can picture right now, man, they were just smacking his chest. He had like his mouth open, and he was just like a statue, like – it I'm, wasn't it wasn't like that Derrick Rose game winner like a couple years ago where he's playing for the Bulls and he just had no emotion on his face. Like it wasn't yeah. to that level, but it was still you know, like he says. Yeah, I mean it was just Dirk just taking it like a champ, I'm the, taking it like I'm a the champ. Baddest, I'm the baddest dude on this court and in the world at playing basketball right now. There ain't nothing gonna stop me. That's crazy. It was, pretty, it was pretty awesome. And I the the comment that he says our own little Dirk Nowitzki, like he's obviously not little, but it does seem like he's just our guy, like the Mavericks fans guy. You know, he's just you know. Yeah, I mean, he grew up with this. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, that's people, especially older than us, that you know, yeah, oh, watch yeah. this German kid come in. They can barely speak English and look goofy as heck. Like who's who is this German kid that the Mavs just drafted? I mean. There's so many people here in Dallas and even around the country that's been Mavs fans his whole career, and you're just like, man, like they've literally watched him grow up, and it's just crazy that you know not not every franchise gets to say that. That barely can barely learn. any franchise gets to say that. There's only a certain number of, of players that have played for you know a whole like a whole career with one team. You know, it, just just that, let alone 20 years. It's just him and Kobe. Yeah, and when especially when it's always crazy when you know you hear hey he's from Germany and you know rightfully so, but when you hear the stat that says you know he's lived in Dallas now longer than Germany, and oh, that's gosh. just yeah, it it's it's crazy you know when you hear that people say that and I don't know when he reached whenever he reached that, but I re- I remember that coming out saying you know now he's lived in Dallas longer and. It's it's insane, man. Like, well, he came in, he was 19, right? Yeah. So it would have been last yeah. year. And, it, you know, it, and I was going to say this. It's different for us now, from for you and I to talk about this, because, you know, and to really watch back this series, and we see people, and, you know, really just Dirk, because we don't know Jet, you know, personally, anything, but... And Beret a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bray some, but like to, just to see Dirk and like see 
the interaction with his teammates, to see the celebration, to see his emotions. Because now that, you know, we've been around the team for, you know, 12, 14 months now. And, you know, and really been around team practices and getting to know people and being around, you know, going from a fan to seeing Dirk, you know, personally five times a week sometimes you know like accidentally run into you in the locker room trying to get like walk into his locker you know and watching him work and watching him put in the time at practice and hearing the stories from people in the organization of all dirt got in this time and seeing the stories we saw we told of different things of him staying till almost midnight talking to german media after a 20 point loss and we just we've seen just a glimpse. You know, we obviously don't see everything, but we've seen just a glimpse of one year of Dirk at, towards the end of his career, and it just gives a whole different perspective. At least you know, and for both of us, rewatching the series and seeing, man, like you deserve it, man. Like you're, yeah. He's not. It's not just you're great. It's not just you're a Mavericks legend. It's not that you're <laughs> one of the best scores of all time you're an awesome dude. And like, if there's when the organization people talk about, like there's literally nobody that talks bad about this guy and to see that he's a legit guy, what you thought of as a fan to a personal level, that's, it makes it like 10 times more. And so if like, for me rewatching the series, I'm just like, man, like I, I felt it as a fan back in 2011, but then I felt it you know even more now that I, I mean, we're not saying we're friends. We're not saying anything like that with Dirk. Just that we've been able to see a glimpse of his impact on the organization, teammates, and the work that he puts in. That it just, it's unreal, man. Because you and I, we usually wait around for a while after you know the locker rooms clear out and stuff. And Dirk is one of the last ones in there, and, and you know Barnes and stuff. And I, you know, leave, and I see Dirk leaving almost at the same time, and you see him. You know, meeting with fans afterwards all the time, like like yeah, lots of games. Just you know, somebody, one of the Mavs, you know, staff people comes up to him with a couple of fans or something, and they're just waiting to meet him. And I tweeted this picture last year. I'll see if I can find it. But this fan with like his hands on his face, like the Home Alone guy, just you know, like like just you know, in awe and like surprised and amazed that he could meet Dirk Nowitzki. And Dirk just you know, like it's like a champ <laughs> comes out every time he comes through for these guys and every you know. It's, humble and down to earth as everybody says another for me go ahead no i was just gonna say you know for me we're just going on the sentimental dirt thing now and for me we will do this a lot i just want to warn any any new listeners we will do this a lot during during the years i think back to my my very first time i ever met dirk i was actually with my dad and i was visiting dallas you know some people know i moved to dallas three or four years ago with my wife to uh, do my master's here in dallas and I'd visited Dallas, it was about four or five years ago at that point, to visit this school, and I was, you know, Mavs fan, love, you know, love Mavs, love Dirk and stuff, and my dad and I went to the the fan jam at that time, <laughs> and we put our name into this drawing uh, to win this VIP meet the team thing, and we told the guy at the drawing thing, like, man, we're from Kentucky, like, it's crazy, we've never, you know, seen the Mavs, anything, so we won the drawing, and so we got to, like, meet the team, and... My dad and I, you know, we we met everybody. Vince Carter was on the team, so I was like complete fangirl because Vince Carter is like my favorite athlete ever. And there was just hundreds of people in line, and there was hundreds of people going through the line, meeting you know the players and all this stuff. And of course, you know, there's hundreds of people meeting Dirk and stuff, and we yeah. were one of the last peoples to meet Dirk. 
and we get up, we get up to Dirk, and I'm like, man, I wonder. I was like nervous because, you know, it's like those moments where you like you really like a player and you really want them to be cool in person. You so don't want to say something stupid. You don't want to say something stupid. You don't want to do anything dumb, and you want them to be really nice because you want to keep that same perception that you have yes. of them. And we get up there. He'd already met like a, th- you know, felt like a thousand people. We get up there, and the dude had the biggest grin on his face. He was smiling from ear to ear. He signed my dad's shirt. We shook hands, took a picture. Like it was the coolest, and it just meant so much. We walked out. My dad and I walked out, and I was like, we just saw OJ Mayo, and he was a punk. You know, like we, <laughs> we we just saw. You know, we just we just met the whole team, did autographs and all this stuff, and some of them just were like pissed off at life and different stuff. And Dirk just went through hundreds of people, and we were one of the last people, and he was so happy from each person through there. And it's just like, man, like he doesn't have to do that. And it, nope. it's just a small, I've always remembered that. I'll always will remember that. And that's why even when people you know, ask me now to this day, who, who's like a cool maverick? Like who, who's like a really cool dude that you would be like friends with? And I'm like, man, I don't want to be cliche about this, but Dirk is the coolest guy ever. And he's the most legit man. And like, it's not just because he's the best player, you know, one of the best players ever, but he really <laughs> is that dude. That dude. He really is. He is for real, and we will continue to say that throughout the next season because I'm sure he'll do more things. All right, from Doker Suze, D-O-K-T-R-S-O-O-Z. Favorite finals moment? My favorite finals moment was when LeChoke James. <laughs> was this and, me? And Mr. 90 free throws in six games himself, Dwayne Wade, were mocking Dirk since he was sick, and they only showed up for three quarters and lost the game and the series. Hashtag MFFL. Yeah. That was great. I like that one. That's I figured you would like that one. That was not me. That was not me. Uh, Bobo, double zero, 2011 finals. You guys are fantastic. Just found y'all. Feel more hype than ever for a new Mavs season. So do I. Mavs fan for 20 plus years. Isaac, Uh-oh. what have you done for 20 plus years? Um, I have eaten food. Yeah, yeah not, not much. <laughs> for twenty plus years, I I think I've no, I've I don't even I haven't even been an NBA fan twenty plus years because I would have been five. And <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was. I grew up. Yeah, I guess. I, well, I was watching NBA as long as I can remember. I've watched Disney movies for twenty years. How about that? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> so twenty plus years said reunion in arena was the S by the way, and he just put the letter S. They lost the. 06 finals on the day my brother got married i have blamed that on him for years best 2011 memory was when the entire playoffs was the entire playoffs as the sweep of la was epic and the feeling for the entire playoffs was special single memory though my college roommate will counted down the last second screaming the numbers at the top of his lungs then opened two beers stone cold style and ran screaming around the cul-de-sac while pouring them all over himself and walking up to the neighbor's (laughs) waking up the neighbors sorry fortunately many of the neighbors were watching too and next thing we knew pop-up block party that was my favorite dallas team season and moment how cool is that man (laughs) shout out to your roommate will for just counting down and then just opening two beers stone cold style (laughs) running around (laughs) screaming in a cul-de-sac that's so funny and never talk to your brother again because now i blame him for wade's 90 free throws (laughs) 
Never do. And last one, uh, we're going to start reading all the iTunes reviews. So anything that you guys send in, this one's not finals related. We're going to start reading them all. So if you haven't done well, one yet. <laughs> most of all of them, if you write well, something I will stupid. read them, but to my discretion, I will I will o- omit some words. That was my dog. <laughs> he has some growls. Holy uh, so Hayden Tucker 145. Not even a Mavs fan, and I listen daily. I'm not a Mavs fan. I don't live in Dallas. I don't live in Texas. I like the Mavericks, but they're not one of my favorites. Nick and Isaac are so knowledgeable on the NBA and its history, it's hard to pass this podcast up. Just a couple of dudes talking basketball. One of the what? best pods out there. I recommend it to everyone. Thank you, Hayden. Please recommend it to anybody. <laughs> recommend hey, it man. to more people. You're the man. I want to know who your favorite team is. Yeah, I kind of want to know that now, too. Let us know. Tweet us. At Nick Van Exit. you say at Brooklyn, Isaac, it makes sense. <laughs> you gotta look at, what are the Brooklyn people talking about right now? Like they gotta talk. They're about, talking about how many dreadlocks D'Angelo Russell has. Oh my gosh! I love D'Lo. You guys know that, but oh, we know. I'm out. There you go, Isaac. We have anything else we're waiting on? Can I read my two quotes? Yes, read your quotes. All right. So, so this whole past season, I did a piece where I talk to um, players across the league. You know a piece is good as a writer when you're jealous that you didn't think about this idea. And you know you like look at it and you say, dang, I wish I would have thought about that. But this was just a great idea and I was jealous of it. Well, it literally took me all year long right? uh, because I wanted some of the best players across the league uh, to tell me what the impact Dirk's legacy has had on them and what it really means. So I talked to LeBron, my favorite. Um, talked to Chris Paul, Cousins, Lillard, James Harden, uh, a bunch of people. Porzingis. Cousins was your actual favorite, though. <laughs> yeah, Cousins was a really cool dude. Um, but anyway, I was going to pull two quotes from this because I did talk to Tyson Chandler and I talked to Jason Terry, and um, both of them are really sentimental. So with Jason Terry, uh, his his quote was, For me... He's been the greatest teammate I've ever played with. What we were able to accomplish together will never be repeated. Dallas is only, only NBA championship. I know how hard he works for that organization, and I know what he means to that city on and off the court. He's a friend. I texted him last night asking him how he was doing because that was when Dirk was injured last yeah. year. Just a great, great teammate. I learned a lot from Dirk just playing with him and watching him and seeing what a professional is all about and the work that he put in. He's truly amazing. Jet was super cool, just a, such a chill dude. But the Tyson one, man, the Tyson one, not gonna lie, when I was typing it up, it kind of like not really like it got a little teary eyed. It got, it got dusty. The room got a little I, dusty. The allergies kind of kicked in a little bit inside the AAC. So this is Tyson's quote. He says, "To me personally, it's hard to really put into words. Quite honest, just like a brother, an inspiration, a teacher. I learned so much from him watching him." Stuff that he doesn't even know. Things that I have picked up in in my time here. Him being the ultimate competitor. But not only that, he changed the game. There's a generation coming up, whether it's Porzingis, Dragon, Bender, that just wants to be like Dirk. That grew up watching him, idolizing him, trying to patent their game after him and see if they can take it to the next level with their twist on what he created. Not only what he means to me, but what he means to the game, the city of Dallas. I was just telling my teammates I have never seen that level of basketball in my life in that wow. 2010-11 run. I've never seen a player play at that level. To see how locked in and focused he was as an athlete and a competitor, I will forever be indebted to him 
and I will love him forever because he helped me reach my ultimate goal as an athlete, winning a championship. He can call me anytime for anything. The only thing I can describe it as is brothers. Gosh. All right, guys. I'm going to go. That is a great way to end the 2011 finals flashback. Guys, it has been awesome. This has been a great experience. I really enjoyed watching these games again. I hadn't watched them since 2011, I think. And even then, I don't know how locked in I was watching these. Um, So a lot of good stuff. Uh, If you haven't, go back to all the other ones. We had a bunch of really good guests. So shout out to Deshaun Stevenson himself. Shout out to Chuck Cooperstein, Mark Followell, Jeff Skin Wade, and Victor Vialba. Just awesome guests. Really good stuff from all of them. Really appreciate taking their time out to do this. Uh, And it was awesome, guys. So appreciate it. Let us know if you like this. Continue the reviews. We'll read them. And guess what? We're back. We're back. We're not taking any more breaks. (laughs) No, we're back, man. We it's crazy because they announced media day the other day as September twenty fifth, I think. It's a Monday. Um man, we literally have like three or four weeks, three weeks until until media day and training camp starts and the fun really happens. It's crazy because the season's almost here and it feels like it, it feels like it never ended. Um but yeah, it's we're super pumped. We have some fun things planned for the next uh, couple of weeks. That will be enjoyable for fans to, I don't know, debate and call us out on. And Oh, yeah. So, little tease for that. We are doing Rank Week. This next week, we're going to do all pods about ranking things. And so, tweet us, at Nick Van Exit, at Isaac Harrison BA, what do you want us to rank? I have some ideas already, uh, and so I have pods. But if you guys come up with better stuff, we will definitely use it, and we will shout you out. So, tweet us, at Nick Van Exit, at Isaac Harrison BA, stuff you want us to rank next week. We appreciate you guys listening to the Mavs. Locked on Mavs 2011 NBA Finals flashback. The Mavericks win. Mavs win. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>